sometimes you don't have the right chance to partner with people. And I just think, especially for people who are really busy and want to create more income without creating extra work, the passive investing route is the way to go. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome, everyone. Today, I have my very good friend, Ruth Hiller from YesMF. Hey, Ruth, how are you? Hey, Socket. How's it going? It's going good. We're glad to have you here. All of your travels been going on. I know you've been traveling crazy recently. Yes, I just got... Where did I go? I just went to Tony Robbins Business Mastery in Florida. Oh, we got to talk about that. I need to hear everything about it. It was good. I learned a lot. I'll go see Tony any place, anytime. He's my unofficial mentor. I've yet to see him. I need to get to his event. Maybe I'll talk to you offline about it. Hey, Ruth, we can ha- I know you and I can talk for hours. We have done that and we can continue doing that and we will do that. But for my audience here, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, kind of share a little bit about your background, what you do, where your focus is, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Hi, thanks again. My name is Ruth Hiller. I'm from Boulder, Colorado. My company is YesMF. I don't know what you're thinking, but MF stands for multifamily. I currently invest and syndicate um, large multifamily complexes. I am a passive investor in 11 deals and a co-general partner in three deals across uh, six different states. And You've been killing um, it, Ruth. I've been killing it. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> So Ruth, uh, we'll start with, you know, this show is about migration to wealth, right? And the word migrate is change, transformation. So we'll start with what has been your migration story that has been life transformative for you? And and you can pick any story you want. I think it's just kind of figuring it out, giving people the glimpse of how powerful migration can be. Well... In 2017, I ended up at a Tony Robbins event. I wasn't doing well in life. I felt very unfulfilled. And I would say like literally in the first 15 minutes of his event, I transformed my life and my identity. I don't know what happened. So I used to be a fine artist and I was very unfulfilled with that. And then I I wanted to figure out, I took a while to figure out how do I transform into something else? And I'd been doing multifamily on the side, but I hadn't, you know, that wasn't something I was doing full time. I call myself the accidental businesswoman because, like I said, I've been doing real estate on the side and it always had given me income. But then it wasn't until I went to this Tony Robbins event that I knew like I needed to do something else. And my favorite story is when, you know, I decided I needed to do something else. And I already owned a multifamily business in California and it, it wasn't going well. And I didn't know what to do. And again, at a Tony Robbins event, I'm like, oh, I need to do something about this. You know, I, I don't know, but I didn't know. I didn't know the how. I just know I needed to do something about it. And then like three months after that, I was sitting on a bus in Malaysia and I turned to the guy next to me and I'm like, so what do you do? And he's like, I teach people how to invest in and syndicate large multifamily complexes. And I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. I have one. Can you help me? And so, you know, I felt like I already had an identity shift from being an artist into, you know, diving more into the multifamily. But then this was, this was the person I needed to meet to help me take my, what I was doing to the next level. And so I joined his group and I underwrote the property that we owned in California. I took like 500 pages of notes from his first seminar. That's awesome. And it changed my life. It changed my life. I remember I met you at that seminar where you showed me how to use my iPad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that like going to the Tony Robbins event, then meeting my mentor uh, changed the trajectory of my life. I didn't 
know that I wanted to be a multifamily syndicator. I just wanted to fix the deal that, that I was involved in. And so, and I did, I was able to understand the business. Now I can run my own multifamily business. So I, I feel right. like that was a huge shift for me from being the accidental businesswoman into a deliberate businesswoman. And a very great one on that. So I think let's, there's a lot of good insights there, Ruth. So let's peel the layers of onion a little bit here. So you were in a life situation that you needed to transform. So you were looking for some guidance, right? So would you say that guidance at that point was Tony Robbins for you? And then at Tony yes. Robbins events, um, because you were looking intentionally for some help in the multifamily, somehow your mentor showed up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think, isn't, isn't that amazing when the student is ready, the teacher shows up? I say that right. a lot, that you got to be ready. You ask the question, if the question is good enough and deep enough, and you're committed to it, you will know the answers. Yeah, and it's, again, I don't figure out the how, right? The how is where we, you have to figure out your why, the why and the who. And I knew the why, right, right? but I didn't know the who, and then the universe put the who in front of me. So what was your why? So uh, let's talk about that. So because I think you and I know that, that the goals are great, the vision is great, but if there's not a very strong why behind it, the goals and vision could end up becoming more of a dream and wishful thinking may not bring your commitment towards it. So help me understand, what was your why? Well, there's two different whys. The, the first why was to get out of the business, get out of an unfruitful business with business partners I didn't agree with because I wanted to be in charge of my financial freedom, right? And then the more, the more I got involved in my mentor's group, then the more... The thing I learned from Tony Robbins was like, how do you add value and help others? And I felt like with my art, I never added value or helped others. And then I felt when I got into multifamily more, I loved that it added value to the tenants, you know, in the properties and it added value to the investors. And so I found that I was really good at educating women. And so I've been able to help a lot of women. So my why now is to really help women that are, that don't know anything about investing. Most women, you know, it's 90% men in multifamily. And right. I think most women don't know even what a multifamily complex is. And the only investment they know about is like, you know, the stock market, IRA or cash, right? So yeah. it's been my mission to educate people on that. So that's been really fun for me because, uh, you know, men, I think are more ballsy in business and women, you know. More women are better investors, I hear. They are, are they're they? better at more intuition, more intuition driven, right? Kind of like data can get you so far. Sometimes you have to use your intuition. And of course, women's intuition is very powerful. Yeah. So my wife tells yeah. me. So, um, and I listen yeah. to her a lot. <laughs> awesome. So help us I understand. Good intuition about you when I met you. What was that? I said I had good intuition about you when I first met. Well, I haven't let, I haven't failed you yet. We'll just see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ruth, help us understand the state of mind you were in, right? Kind of like because you know, sometimes life kicks you around. Sometimes your situation is not what you want it to be, and you're trying to change. But how did you get out of the situation that I don't like my business partners, I don't like my current situation, to fall into the negative spiral of my life sucks, everything, I, I'm not adding value, to then taking control of that situation and doing something about it and changing the complete trajectory of where you were to around where you are? How did you take that leap? Well, the thing that I've learned from doing a ton of personal development work is that I'm a persistent MFer. <laughs> <laughs> Multifamily. That's what we mean. <laughs> yeah, very persistent. And so 
I don't know, when I have an idea, I always believe in myself, no matter, you know, I've heard it from a lot of people who've been really successful. I just believed it. I just believed it. And you just, you know, even if you're kicked down, you just have to keep believing that something's possible and you don't need resources. You need to be resourceful. I also learned that I'm super resourceful. If someone says no, then I go look at something else. And so I just say like, I never quit. You just can never quit as frustrating as it is, you know, like have your tenter tantrum and then get back and focus on what you need to do. And I think you just can't quit. You just have to believe that what you're doing is right and that you'll find a way. Yeah. And I'm assuming that having a powerful why behind it, it's actually going to be make the process even much more stronger. Yeah, it does. Like the the why, right? It's just like, I just, you know, to get out of this or whatever it was, right? It's just, if you don't have a why, you'll just get bored really quickly because, motiv- you know, motivation, it's like with exercise, you need a strong why because otherwise you're not going to get up and do it. That's true. That's true. So help us understand now, what is your journey being now? Right? So you, you were at a place in life, you found a mentor who helped you, you asked him a question, can he help you fix your current situation? and you attended a seminar with him. Where is that property now? How are you doing with that property? Well, it was 118 unit, and after four years of legal battles, we sold it on June 22nd. Well, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. Almost triple what we thought it was worth. So, And you know what was interesting when I was thinking about it? And again, you should always focus on what outcome you want. And the outcome I wanted on this property was I wanted a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. I kept picturing a win-win situation. And with my business partners, I didn't see how that was going to happen, but that's what I focused on. And I didn't know how, but that's what I just kept focusing on. And I feel like it really turned into a win-win situation. So, you know, what is the outcome you want is really important also to focus so on. So where's the party, Ruth? <laughs> where, where, where are we going? I know. <laughs> I know. I got to plan something, right? I think we need to celebrate it a little, right? I know we need to celebrate. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, how does how does that make you feel now? So, let's take you back in your mind emotionally to where you were three, four, five years ago, to that just before the Tony Robbins event, to the day the sale actually closed. Can you help us understand the the difference between the two emotions? Well, it was funny because uh, when I was in the Bahamas a couple, like a month ago, it was like two days after that deal had closed. And I, I was reflecting on the last five years, actually. And I was like, I was really proud of the woman I had to become over the last five years to make that happen. Because the woman who started that journey would never have been able to make that happen. It was the woman I had become over the last five years that was able to make that happen. And it was like my mentors and my friends believed in me and then I believed in myself. So that, that right. was sort of the transition, right? So you, so, looking back, you've enjoyed the person you've become. So would it be fair to say, I don't wish it upon you, but if the outcome didn't come as you were expecting, you would still be happy with the journey that you, were, you undertook and the person you have become and kind of like, because it seemed like you have learned so much about not just the business, but about yourself and build an ecosystem around you. So would, would you say you'd still be excited even regardless of the outcome? Well, yeah, because when I was talking to the attorney about the different outcomes, and he's like, the worst outcome could be <clears throat> is you still be stuck with them as partners. And I'm like, I said, you know what? I can, you know, I know I can do whatever I need to do. And so I have other options and I can move ahead with those if, if it doesn't work out. And so I do feel happy. I think that 
they were my worthiest opponents. And I think worthy, worthy opponents give you the biggest lessons. Of course, of course. Yeah, I think in like the adversities teaches you more than your than your wins sometimes. Yes. Um, your yes. losses, your losses actually teach you a lot more. So now let's fast forward. So uh, of course, you had a bad marriage in terms of partnership. So how are you changing your approach to partnership now? Or are you? Again, like we, you talked about intuition, I have a strong intuition. And so I usually go based on my intuition. And then I would do some due diligence on like, what is the track record of the person? You know, that kind of thing. That's what I would do. What is the track record? You know, look for references. And, you know, I have to say, I haven't been 100% perfect on that either. I, I invested in a passive deal that's not doing well. And it's like the one deal I didn't really do the due diligence on the neighborhood or the income situation. So like, oh, well, whatever, you know, but just going forward and being more deliberate. And, and you know, if you're going to do a business thing with someone to have, a, you know, Exit, specific exit strategy or how you're going to handle conflict, like that kind of thing, which we never, you know, that yeah. other property we never had in place. So let, let's talk, let's talk a little bit more um, about that, Ruth, Ruth, if that's okay with you, kind of like, so a lot of our audience may be very new to investing, the world of investing. Some may be seasoned, some may be new. So help us understand what does passive investing mean to you now that you are, and what does active mean to you? Because you are playing both roles right now. And how do you look um, in differently? Pass well, passive, I feel, means it's like the done-for-you model. So mm -hmm. everything is done for you. Someone finds the deal. Someone writes the business plan. Someone manages the deal. Someone oversees the capital improvements. And that's all done for you. And then you get a distribution and you get part ownership and you don't have to do any work, right? The do-it-yourself model is you do all of those, right? So if right. you want to be a GP... You would find the deal. You'd work with the broker. You would underwrite the business plan. You would and a GP is Ruth. GP is yes. A, gen a general, general partner. partner. What does that mean? Gen general partner is part of the sponsor team that, that just does what I told you. The oversees that they do it for you, right? Um, Got it. And the passive investor is the limited partner that they have it done for them, right? So, so why do you do both? Do what's your uh, what's your sort of rationale that you want to be a passive as well as active? I don't want to, you know, be in like 20 deals and do all the work in all of them. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, there's some sponsor teams that I love, you know, they've had a good track record. So I would like to be, you know, just receive the benefits of that. Like one deal that we did in Florida, we bought it three years ago and it's increased 132% in oh, value awesome. in three years. Wow. Yeah. So I know. And you so, were a passive in yeah, there? And I've, yeah, that was the done for me model, right? So yeah. I was like, I like that because there's some operators, like sometimes you don't, don't have the right chance to partner with people. And I just think, especially for people who are really busy and, you know, want to create more income without creating extra work, the passive investing route is the way to go. Yeah. And do, do you lose out on anything in passive investing when you are, so let's just say you put in $500,000 in a deal as a passive investor, what does the return look like for you? And of course, I'm not going to say that these returns are replicable all the time, but give us an idea for maybe if you're open to talking about that deal in Florida, well, what did your returns look like in terms of the percentages? Well, we haven't sold it yet. So I invested a hundred thousand and the, the cash on cash annualized is 9%, which has been cash flowing at 9%. That's awesome. And we paid, uh, I'm a limited partner on that passive investment. We, we paid 21 million and now it's evaluated at 36 million in three years. That's awesome. And so 
we were looking to refinance it and get, you know, and the sponsors were looking to give the passive investors, you know, some of the capital return of capital, but the lending rates, that's when they, right, right when they went crazy. So right. we're just still considering what to do on that one. Got it. Got it. Go. So is that a typical return? 9% Ruth? Uh, Not cash these cash? days. No? Yeah. No. That was like last year. I think now I still think you can double your money. A lot of the deals, you know, will be a double your money, but I think right now we're seeing like five to seven percent cash on cash, cash depending cash. on the, the loan, you know, because the loan, you know, the loan proceeds are lower, right? So we used right. to get like eighty percent loan to value and now we're only getting like fifty-five or fifty-eight percent loan to value. But the good thing so with that is what you lose on the cash flow, cash on cash, you gain back in the principal being paid in the low leverage you get back in when you sell it, right? Because there's low debt yes. payment, correct? So yes, exactly. all in so. all, it may equal out to similar returns, but your cash flow may be a little bit tighter than before. Would you, yes. would you say that's, yes. that's fair? That's fair. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think, you know what, because like, I was just looking at a deal came across the desk last week. It was $38 million deal. They were able to get the price reduction down to 30. Oh, that's awesome. So 30. Right. So I think now, and, and what I've been told actually to now is that, you know, there aren't as many buyers lining up. It's not as frenzied as it was six months ago because of the lending rates. Which is actually a perfect time I mean, to acquire, right? When no one's I, buying, that's a perfect time to buy because you may find I, a few deals. Ruth, which markets are you focusing on? You know, I never really focus on a market. I focus on the team. So it has to be a primary market, you know what I mean? But it has to be a team that understands that market. So that's how I pick my deals is based on the team. And mm-hmm. right now I have, you know, a deal in Tennessee. I really like Tennessee. If, if I would find uh, we're underwriting another deal there now, I would love another deal because I, I like that market. And then yeah, Tennessee, um, Tennessee blowing Texas. Up. And, yeah. Yeah. Tennessee, Texas, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama are where I have uh, my deals. I love all those markets. Love all those markets. I know, me too. Green markets. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to find good deals though, because even though sellers are shift buyers are shifting, the sellers are still, I think, turning a blind eye towards the market. They still think they can get what they're asking for, but yeah. they're recognizing it. I think it's shifting. We could see it. So, uh, Ruth, let's talk about kind of like you mentioned the. I mean, you're aware of it. You're 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 an actively participant in the macro world. The capital markets are a mess right now. No one knows what's going to happen to the rates, right? So how are you talking to your investors to kind of navigate this turmoil? How do they keep faith in the investment thesis that you have? What is your strategy for that? Well, I think transparency is a really good strategy. So, you know, we've had some meetings on some of our assets, like because of deferred maintenance or because the lending, because of bridge loan and the rates have gone up maybe the distributions won't be as high. And so that's what we've been discussing in some of our deals, right? And then I think because one deal I'm in, there's been no distribution and there's no communication. And so I'm like, you know what? I just think I'd rather have a little few disgruntled investors and let them know what's happening than just keep them in the dark. I would agree. Yeah, there's never, what do they say? One of my mentors always says, good news does not become easy if you wait. Um, it actually makes it harder, right? right? So the, the sooner yeah, you yeah, disclose yeah. the news, whatever, good or bad, the better it is, the better you can instill the confidence in the team. So I think yes. that I'm, I'm, I'm of the same opinion. And in terms of your, um, I think let's take a quick pause here. We talked about a few different words here, bridge loan. And uh, what is a bridge loan? So 
A bridge loan is when you, it's a bridge to a, a government loan. And so a lot of people were taking bridge loans and bridge loans are usually three years of interest only. And, you know, for a while we did not take bridge loans. And like, I swear, like in the last, what is it, year, everyone's taking bridge loans and now right. they're become, they're falling out of favor. So it's a bridge to get yourself into like a, you know, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac government non-recourse loan. The thing about the bridge loan that I've found interesting is that the strike rate. So we've had to pay, like last year for our bridge loan, we paid a rate cap. So, you know, because it's a floating loan. So if the rates go up by 1.5%, then the bank has to pay us money. Mm -hmm. So as you know, what's going on in lending, you know, where right. the bank is going to have to start paying us money. And I think we were able to secure that at 80000 a year, which seems cheap to me now, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because now it's like a million dollars a year on some of the other bridge loans. And now bridge loans are falling out of favor again. And we're going back to agency debt is what I've been seeing. Yeah. So I think the, let me just kind of summarize for the audience here. So the your ideal scenario always is to get a fixed rate debt, which is essentially in our multifamily world, it's going to be an agency debt. However, when you're doing a value add on a deal, you take a loan that is interest only payment. So you can put more capital back into the project, right? So that's usually the bridge loan, which is a floating interest rate. It's like your home equity line of credit, which floats, right? The rate can change based on some index. So for LIBOR, and we won't go into the details for that. So it's, it was always meant to keep it for a few years and then move to either dispose of the property or move to a fixed agency loan. I think yes. we're, we're seeing all the same thing. So has that increased your whole time now, Ruth, given what's happening in the capital market where you would have thought about disposing in three years now you may have to keep properties a little bit longer. I'm not sure. We're still looking because like on one property, you know, we had a 77% uh, loan to value bridge loan with interest only. And so I think the yield maintenance expires after 20 months. And mm -hmm. so I don't know where we'll to start looking because some of the rates, they're not so bad now. This last deal in uh, Dallas, I think we got a 4.5% fixed oh, rate. Oh, that's awesome. Loan. That is awesome. Yeah. 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 So, and then the one in Tennessee was 5.5, .5, but the business plan still worked even at that rate. So, right, um, right, right. Well, that's awesome. Brandon, we're used, sorry, what was that we're used to seeing like, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Can you repeat that, Ruth, one more time? I said we were used to seeing like, you know, three to three, three point seven was the. I remember I underwrote a deal at 2.75. It's not coming back, never coming back. That rate's never coming back. I don't know. Maybe. You never know. Never say never, but I'm not hoping for that. If it happens, <laughs> great. I'm not expecting that to happen. But you're right. I mean, uh, nobody knew it could ever go back that down anyways. So anything is possible. And if that comes in, we're going we're gonna to hop on those rates ASAP. I know, right? Yeah. So Ruth, help us understand kind of like how, what are you doing next? Like where can people learn more about you and stay in touch with you? Do you have a newsletter? Do you have a website? What is the way to stay connected with you? If you go to my website, it's yesmfnow.com and you go click on free info, um, you'll get a bunch of informational articles. That's you'll be perfect. You'll set up a call. If you so yeah, let me repeat you. that. It's, uh, it's yesmfnow.com and you go to free info link. It's on the right hand side. I don't remember your website. It's on the top right hand side That's corner, right? right? Perfect. And they fill and in the information, click on something and then magically... You stay connected with them. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. And any That's question, awesome. 
I love being here. Thank you so much. No, thank you. So I got a one last wrapping up question here. So I think we're going to shift gears completely now. So you've shared a lot of good insights, Ruth, uh, with our audience here and with me. I always love talking to you. What is something that you have learned a life lesson that you have not shared yet with this audience that you would like to share? Always be a student. Love that. I just said that to somebody <laughs> else recently. Always be a student. Always, Always be, a, be student. a student. True knowledge is the booby prize. There you go. I love that. You're full of wisdom there, uh, Ruth. I like that. So help us being a student, right? Why is it important being a student? And what does it mean to be a student to you? I think always be willing to learn because stuff changes. I mean, you know, there's fixed mindset and there's growth mindset. I'm, I'm a growth mindset person. I think if you look at most entrepreneurs or people that are successful in life, it's because they're growth mindset and they're always interested in learning and they're, you know, and it's outside of traditional education, right? It's always seminars or books or whatever. Just keep an open mind because stuff is always changing really fast. Right, right, right. And then you're a proof, living proof of that. I know you're right? not just saying it. You're always learning. You're always attending seminars. You're always looking for personal development. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And I see that in you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Awesome. So thank last you. parting question. What is, uh, going back to the theme of our show, which is migration, what is your wish for humanity to migrate towards? If you could pick one single migration and we could ask everyone to do that, what is that wish and desire? Self-awareness and self-love. Love that. Love that. Do you think that's hard? Yes. <laughs> it's a practice for sure, right? I think that that would be cool. If people had more self-awareness and more self-love than Yeah. Yeah, they would just be in touch. I think no, self-love I is really hard. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ruth, thank you again for your time taking the time over to your busy busy day. Congratulations again for an amazing exit on the deal that got it all started for you. Appreciate your time. Once again, you can reach Ruth Hiller on yesmfnow.com by clicking on the free info link. All the information would be included in the show notes. So if you don't have pen and paper ready, do not worry about it. Well, thank you, Ruth. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.